the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. Welcome to our 200th episode, people. That's four years on the air, and that means we have some special things in store for today's episode. Just doing some quick math, I think this might be the most guests that you'll hear from in a single episode, so stay tuned for that. I also wanted to mention that we're now starting season seven, where we will be writing the Consumer Health Playbook. More on that next week, but if you're just now joining us, I hope you'll subscribe and check out our previous episodes. Also, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about how to shift forward. If the answers are in front of us, how do we overcome the tendency to search for answers by looking in the past? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome an illustrious group of friends. Zane is back in the house. Jill McCormick from TechSpring and Bay State Health is here. Victor Rice from UNC Health is here. And so is Terry Sun from White Rhino. Our guests will be giving an exclusive preview of a manifesto being written by the Consumer First Health Group. You know we always talk about provocative thinking, and this group is going to take that to a whole new level. In between, you'll hear some of our previous guests give a shout-out to a favorite moment, something that stuck out to them from our first 200 episodes. We'll be playing those throughout the program as well. All right, it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. If there's anything that I've learned through our first 200 episodes, it's that the answers are in front of us, not behind us. So often the conversation about what to do about healthcare turns to, well, here's what we've done in the past. We don't know if anything different will work and we're kind of scared to try it. It's a line of thinking that's stuck looking backwards. Meanwhile, I've learned that there are innovative thinkers in pockets everywhere in the industry having a very different conversation. They're saying, well, more people living healthier lives is the goal, right? So it's our job to explore all of these new care models and and platforms and digital health options so we can design and build for consumers, even if it disrupts our current business model. So which line of thought is more productive? Which one can get us to a new destination? Do we see that today's healthcare is on an unsustainable trajectory? Do we want to get to the healthcare of tomorrow faster? It's time to shift forward. When I think about this, let me just say I'm fired up, y'all. Fired up about the possibilities. Looking to the past will only get us to the healthcare of the past. So here are five ways to shift forward. Number one, shift incentives. You want to get real for a minute? Here's a question for you. Are hospitals' growth strategies actually in opposition to people living healthier? Don't hospitals benefit by me being sick? So who benefits by me being healthy? According to the Keckley Report, less than 10% of the U.S. healthcare system is actually operating on a value-based care model. Are we ready to tackle the complex topic? 
topic of how hospitals and health plans maximize their value to shareholders and how that can come at odds with what's best for consumers. Without the right incentives in place, healthcare can only progress so far. Number two, shift our view. Short-sightedness is our kryptonite as an industry. Myopia is a plague of the healthcare of the past. To short-sighted providers, hospital leaders, and administrators, every new thing is a threat. Every new care model, tech platform, virtual care, digital care, at-home care. Broadening our view is important to put consumers at the center of the change management process. Another key is to study consumer brands to see what they're doing right. What do they know about customer relationships that allows them to swoop in and snatch up part of the value chain with your consumers before they even become patients? Do they offer higher levels of convenience, accessibility, and transparency during the parts of the healthcare experience that should be transactional? I hope we can admit that we can learn a lot from them. Three, shift our attitude about disruption. Does all of this talk about change energize you or exhaust you? Granted, I think it's pretty normal to be a little apprehensive about the unknown, but transformation fatigue among industry leaders is not going to help anybody. In 2019, Jeff Gorgie and Scott Davis from Profit identified five shifts for healthcare and life science organizations to become consumer-centric, but their research indicated that less than 15% of organizations have made full progress on even one of those shifts. Now, they saw this as an opportunity for growth, and I like that. Let's acknowledge the challenge ahead of us. Let's remain solution-focused and actually welcome disruption. Let's stop finding excuses not to innovate. Four, shift our culture. This is one of my favorite topics, as I frequently hear Paul Sablowski and others say, we can't just do the wrong things more efficiently. There's too much at stake. Yeah, I know one of the talking points whenever we talk about culture is that it starts at the top, and that's true, but middle managers have a big part in this as well, because let's face it, you're often the ones who have to carry out this in both directions, managing culture with your teams and managing expectations with your leaders. Here's where this is an opportunity as well. I know that you're the ones with a lot of the ideas about how to improve the experience, about which tools to implement, how to make better care more profitable, how to design with the consumer first, but also with empathy for providers. So let's make it a priority to unlock those ideas and watch our culture shift right in front of our eyes. Finally, shift gears or simply shift our speed. One of Wayne Gretzky's most famous quotes is, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. Sometimes I wish there was a second part, but if you don't get there fast enough, the puck will be somewhere else. The rate of change is something that healthcare is not traditionally very good at. It doesn't have to be that way. So what does all this mean? We're going to turn up the heat, we're going to think even more provocatively, and we're going to do whatever it takes to bring the tools and mindsets of the disruptors to the mainstream. In fact, I'm going to issue a challenge to all of us right now, including myself, that by episode 300, we will have made great strides. So by January 2024, I want to see that we're in a better place as it relates to these five shifts. Think about your part and how you can help. Come on this journey and be a part of this amazing community of healthcare, technology, and design-minded, innovative thinkers as we shift forward. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hi, this is Joe Polizzi. I am so proud of you, Jared and team, for your 200th episode. Here's to 200 more. And I was proud to be a part of episode number 136. That's probably my favorite episode, but I'm biased. Again, congratulations. Keep on going. Hi, this is Carrie Lykin from Yext, and I want to congratulate the Healthcare Wrap for reaching 200 episodes. What an accomplishment. I, and I know others, appreciate all of the effort Jared and team have put in to positively influence the industry and to help make rapid change to the future of healthcare, technology, and marketing. Keep rapping, Jared and team, and we'll keep listening.
flow, the flow, the flow. All right, let's get into the flow, people. This is going to be something new, something different. And I'm not going to call it a panel discussion. Maybe it's an unpanel. This is a group of friends chatting, and we're going to share a preview of something that organically just kind of came up. And I've got to give a quick backstory about this, and I'm going to introduce our guests here. But let me set this up really quick. So we have this group called the Consumer First Health Group. I've mentioned it here a number of times, but we're having monthly calls. We're talking about how to make healthcare more consumer friendly. We're talking about how to actually write the consumer health playbook and what that means for all the different players in healthcare. But it came up recently that we were just talking about like kind of how do we share what we're talking about with the rest of the world? And I actually had notes from a couple of different people in the group, uh, Ben Tingey and James Gardner, both separately asked like, hey, should we do something like a manifesto where we're sharing our thoughts about kind of where we're coming from, the things we see that can be improved in the world and what we intend to do about it. And of course, this is kind of how this group works is that the answer was, yeah, so let's do this. Let's invite whoever wants to be a part of this. And our guests today are some of those who offered and, and wanted to be a part of creating a manifesto. So we're going to give a preview of what that means. And let me welcome our guests here today. First and foremost, we've got Zane. Uh, Zane's back. I also want to welcome Jill McCormick. She's the Director of Design and Innovation with Bay State Health and TechSpring. I also want to welcome Victor Rice. He's the Vice President for Consumerism, Insights, and Growth Marketing at UNC Health. And we've got Terry Sun, who's the Chief Strategy Officer with White Rhino. Let me just set us up a little bit. Let me give each of you a chance to kind of give us a quick little icebreaker. And our question is going to be, Name one thing that gets you out of bed every morning. Zane, I'm going to give you first shot at this one. And then why don't we go in the order, Jill, then Victor, then Terry. And then we're going to dig into this, this whole manifesto idea. But what's one thing that gets you out of bed every morning? For me, well, this might sound dumb, but like it's literally coffee. I am a coffee connoisseur. And I will be honest, there are some nights I go to bed just excited to wake up and have some type of sweet or pastry with my coffee and watch the news. So that's what gets me out of bed every morning. And what's your preferred brew there? Get a pick one. I like, I'm a big fan of like Starbucks's dark roast. I don't know if that makes me, but it's one of my favorites. That sounds great. Jill, what's something that gets you out of bed every morning? Quite literally, it's Wordle. I'm in a group of people that are Wordle nerds. And by invitation only, you're welcome to join. But you have to write a haiku to get into this group. And a lot of them are early risers. And so they blow up my phone in the morning. So it inspires me to get up. And uh, I'm now sort of a morning person because of it. Amazing. All right, Victor, you're up. So in full disclosure, my alarm goes off at 4.15 a.m. And as you can imagine, right around 4.25, I'm enjoying my cup or it's actually a double espresso shot. So that is my treat for waking up at 4.15 before I go to the gym. I have a wonderful cup of espresso. Fabulous. All right, Terry, let's hear from you. I, I'm not a coffee drinker. I like orange juice. But the thing that really gets me up is the excitement of the things that I can do to change how I'm going to wake up differently the next day in terms of the impact I can have on the world. And I get excited to check my Google News feed and see what are the new conversations that are happening around technology, around the metaverse, around what's going on in healthcare, and then being able to apply that in that day and then have the next day look very different than that. So it changes every day. It really does, doesn't it? Super. All right. So let's dig into this. Let, let's get into this. So this whole thought of we're going to give a preview of what this manifesto is all about. I will tell you when when this seemed a little daunting of a task at first, once I started trying to put some thoughts in, I, I for me, the the part that I that I came up with was I just started dictating. I literally just, hey, Siri, 
you know, I got stuff to say. So I just started dictating. I put a note on my phone. And some of the, the things really revolved around this, this very first question of why should healthcare be more consumer focused? Like, why aren't we okay with the way it is? Why do we need to change in the first place? Who wants to get us started on this one? This is very macro. Like, why do we need change at all? I can start. And maybe I'll just share with our listeners. So my perspective comes not just from like US healthcare, but Canadian healthcare. And, you know, the thing that drives me the most nuts is healthcare in general, especially traditional healthcare, is highly, highly subsidized by the government, even in US healthcare. And in my opinion, it's just not delivering what it needs to for the amount of tax dollars that ultimately come from you and I at some point for the amount of money that flows into it. And so there's this huge like value equation that isn't working on behalf of taxpayers and consumers and it needs to change. And so we would never, you know, give Starbucks thousands of years, thousands of dollars a year from our, our, our money, if you will, and then not expect to get a cup of coffee every day or the right you know, you know, maybe it's a latte or, you know, Victor likes espresso, but in healthcare, we allow that to happen where, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars flow into these places, but we're not really getting the value out of it that we want, both from a medical side or clinical side. And so outcomes aren't terribly great in Canada or the U.S. And from the consumer side, I would argue in general, you know, most people have pretty terrible experiences, like consumer experiences with healthcare. And so that's where my head is at in all this. I love that saying, the idea that the value equation is is out of balance. One thing that we've always said is that if there's one place, one industry where people should be treated with compassion, with respect, with empathy and have an amazing experience, it's in healthcare. But it's the industry that perhaps is the worst experience. And just with the fact that we call them patients, no patient wants to be defined sure. by their disease or their condition. They, they don't want to, I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to be known as a cancer patient or, you know, I want to be known as a, as a person and be treated that way. Simply put, the stakes are high for healthcare to be consumer focused or not consumer focused. I like to uh, compare healthcare to the snow mountain and snow melts from the edges. And so that snow mountain that we know as traditional healthcare it is slowly melting at the edges. If you consider a couple of factors, going back to Zane and Terry, you all had mentioned consumer experience. I believe there was a study two years ago, and I believe it still applies today, that 81% of consumers were dissatisfied with their experience. I didn't say 8%, 81%. But there's another study out that also showed that the average wait time to see a family physician is that 29 days? So that doesn't include the actual days and time when you try to align your calendars. And by the time you do that, it might be at six to eight weeks. The second is that the market size is too large to ignore. Healthcare is a $4.2 trillion market. So what does that mean? It represents an attractive market opportunity for non-industry participants. Third, follow the money. Look at the private equity and venture capital investments. You want to know why healthcare needs to be consumer focused? Uh, last year, I believe there was $42 billion that was pumped in by venture capitalists around healthcare technology. So I'll conclude there is that the stakes are too high. Consumers are suffering and also other industry participants, they see this as a lucrative market opportunity. I you said there, Victor. I can definitely confirm, having been in Breckenridge this past weekend in the mountains, that 
snow definitely melts from the edges on the mountain. I'd never heard that before. It's brilliant. That's funny, Zane. I was just going to add that from a, from a personal perspective, I just think about the time that we, we as consumers waste um, trying to navigate the care that we need and sort of how we're not necessarily considered in the, the sort of the care navigation component of care and really, you know, whose value are we measuring when we're measuring the when you talked about sort of the value and the extraction of value in the system as a person i'm not productive or efficient if my care isn't isn't well maintained and also the ripple effect of like if if someone in my family is not experiencing quality care and what that has on society you know as we sort of look at it and extrapolate it out and it's just not sustainable when we even think about it from the staffing perspective, you know, the workforce inside healthcare is unsustainable right now with the, you know, the great resignation and some of the terms that we're hearing, but it's been a broken system that is absolutely being called to light right now. And a lot of things are really obvious about it. And part of it is, is because consumerism is sort of pervasive throughout all of the industries that we participate in. And we're starting to demand more, require more, and basically are, are you know, fed up with the way that it's working and saying it doesn't have to be this way. Hi, this is John Lint, the founder of Healthcare IT Today. The Healthcare Wrap, dropping rhymes, quintessential lines, consumers first, not healthcare's worst, provocative thinking, and all the linking healthcare innovators like they were daters. Understanding, passion, collaboration, crashing the status quo makes you go, whoa. 200 episodes. Wow, that's loads. Time well spent. Join the movement. Congratulations. Hey, this is Chris Bevelo at Revive. Boy, my favorite moments of the podcast. I think my favorite moments are more of like a collective moment of the times in the podcast where Jerry and I can kind of really think about what's possible in this space. There's so much opportunity and so much impact we can have as marketers and communicators. It's always great to sit down and and really think out loud about how great things could be. And we're getting there. I've heard recently Aaron Martin from Providence from their digital innovation group. I mean, he wrote it the way he described it as we're on an unsustainable trajectory. He's not the first one to say that, but he was pertaining directly to new digital models of care and digital health platforms. And so the $42 billion figure, Victor, that you mentioned, I mean, that's very real. That was a record. It almost doubled the previous year's record for how much had ever been pumped into digital health in particular. And what I've seen is that across the industry, people see that in one of two ways. They either see everything as a threat or they see some opportunities in there. And I think that kind of leads me to this next question for all of you, which is, What does it even mean to be consumer first? Because there's an opportunity for us to even describe that. I think even in our our group discussions in our community, we've recognized that, that we don't have an agreed upon definition of what consumer first care means. The capital C consumerism term gets used by every part of healthcare in a slightly different way. And some have just become numb to it because we've talked about it so much. And I'm like, well, as, until the experience improves enough, we need to keep talking about it. So let's not get you know fatigued by the term itself. But what about this in particular about being consumer first? Like, what does that mean? Like, what, what specific changes? Let, let's drill down here a little bit. What specific changes do we need to see in the industry to be consumer first 
Jared, if I can jump in there, I just think it's really clever and, and important to note that you use the word consumer first and not consumer centric, right? And I think that when I think about consumer first, I think about experience first, healthcare. And so I think that that's a fundamental shift that needs to happen is like, we need to consider experience. What we know about experience is what we understand about the current state of people's experiences on all sides. You know, if we just stick with the sort of patient journey, for example, you know, what are the experiences? Experiences that they are having and how are those, if you're thinking about it from a health system or if we're not even de designing it from a health system per se, is like then once we understand the current state of the experience, how do we start thinking about, well, what should the future state look like as the first step in defining what operations and our digital tools may be. All too often, it's either digital that's driving that conversation around like, here's the digital requirements that we'd like to do. And when you back into that, you can't really change the experiences because you've hardwired a specific set of operations or a specific set of digital and can't undo that. And so if you're thinking about consumer first or experience first, I think what we need to change is really about understanding where we want to go and where that future is before we start hard coding, you know, the operational and, and digital drivers. I like that. You know, one thing I think about Jared is going back to, I guess you'd call him a mentor and inspiration of mine, a gentleman by the name of Gerard Ben Grinsman, who used to be the vice president of food and beverage for the Ritz Carlton. And then he built Henry Ford Health Systems uh, Hospital in West Bloomfield, Michigan. And sort of, he didn't use the term consumerism it kind of preceded him or postdated him, but he would always go around talking to us about building a health system that was anchored around the expressed and unexpressed desires and needs of patients and ultimately community. And so when I think about, you know, what consumerism really is to me, it's that, which I think connects you know perfectly with what Jill just said is really focusing on like really, really understanding people beyond just their clinical identity. Um, so that you can build services around their emotion, their spirituality, you know, what their actual clinical need is, and then being able to also sort of zoom out and do the same thing for the community in which some of these, you know, big health organizations actually operate and exist in. And so that's how I think about it. That idea of unexpressed needs of patients and, and really people is so important. It's why I get so excited about the consumer first health group and why that is formed because it's really about making sure that that voice is at the table. Often, again, healthcare decisions are being made by government business and not always from that uh, consumer, you know, the patient's perspective. And so making sure that their voice is out there. And that's what I see as this group and this manifesto is say, these are the things that patients need and allowing the industry, you know, it's so fragmented, so siloed. And everybody's working on different things. And you know, I do believe everybody in healthcare is trying to work towards a common goal and, and they do have the best interests of patients in mind, but they don't always have the patient voice represented there. So if we can at least make sure everybody has the same information as they're marching towards those goals. And then long-term, hopefully they break down those silos and they're marching together, not in separate silos. I'm loving this. We are all uh, kindred spirits. If I could just add to the conversation, it's that in order for us to be consumer first, and I know we all will agree with this, is that we have to move beyond the narrow view of healthcare. I believe there is a default mindset is that yes. it is a patient that sits in a doctor in the exam room. 
And there are 525,600 minutes in a year. So once again, 525,600 minutes in a year. Let's say that an average person has four doctor's visits in a year with an average of 15 minutes a year. How can today's healthcare system is really built around that episodic care of maybe an hour to maybe four hours a year? But what is that human? So let's even take it to the human level. What is that person doing for those other 525,540 minutes of the year? That's where we need to move. And that means we have to expand the definition of health, moving beyond the four walls of a medical facility or a hospital and really understand what are the needs and the behaviors and the mindsets of that individual, also the consumer, what are they struggling with? How are they making decisions? How are they attempting to make health fit into their busy lifestyle? Is when we arrive at that point, now we have a better understanding and even more of a motivation for us to move rapidly towards being consumer first. Hi, Chris Hemphill here. And my favorite moment in the podcast actually happens every week as of pretty recently. That's that decision to change the intro from just focusing on healthcare marketing to focusing on the whole of healthcare strategy. That was really touching, really powerful because it acknowledges that people on all sides of the block, all sides of the equation, want change and are driving for this. It might not be everyone entirely, but rather than focusing on one department, it does seem more exciting to acknowledge where people are influencing those pockets of change and then study on how we can all work together. So I hope that this change results in greater connectivity among all those people that are trying to drive change. Thank you for making that change. Healthcare marketers juggling lots to do. Gotta keep patients healthy. Coming back to you, knowing which words will lead more patients to act is not an easy feat, as a matter of fact. Competition heating up, new players on the rise. Persado has the right words already optimized. Just plug in the content, turn it on, and your campaign blues will soon be gone. Persado provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized marketing messaging focused on improving health goals and business objectives. Persado's journey-based content uses the right words proven to drive conversions among the customers that matter most. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com. Well, I love that, Victor, because we're kind of implying that healthcare is more than sick care, episodic care, like we mentioned, and it, it is ultimately becoming less hospital-centric, regardless of whether we want that or not. There are so many other aspects of any consumer's individual health journey. You know, we can phrase it however we want, but the things that we wake up in the morning thinking about related to our health and wellness it doesn't typically involve, this is generalizing because it's very different based on everyone's individual healthcare needs. But in general, I would say the majority of us are not waking up in the morning thinking, all right, yeah, when's the next time I get to see the doctor? You know, so we're just not building our lives around that. 
Well, and I think, Jared, too, one of the like the core principles of of sort of hospital centric medicine is really about do no harm. And I agree with that, that once the patient is presented, do no harm. Right. But we don't take responsibility for the time, you know, maybe in between visits, we're starting to sort of look at that. But the time that somebody is spending, you know, not because of the barriers that they may face or the information that they may not have, or the impulse or motivation to go actually like turn that into a visit, that we're sort of doing harm in some ways because we're not getting them sooner when we, yeah. when we could have had them, you know, in a different, completely different health trajectory, had you engaged them appropriately earlier and really, you know, met their needs. You know, is harm when you're diabetic? Like, what responsibility do we have as society to sort of look at that and think about that, that component of it as health? Mm-hmm. argue that those moments between visits are more important than the visit itself because health is an everyday thing. It's the most basic human need. Our bodies are striving for health and they're amazing, re- amazingly resilient. When we get to the hospital, when we have to go in for a doctor visit, it's because there's a symptom. It's because our body is giving us a signal that something's wrong. But if we can have an impact on health in those in-between moments, maybe we can prevent and then yeah. those better outcomes. Man, I really like what you guys just brought up. And so it really hits home for me like now. So my grandmother, who is what, 85, honestly, probably is getting towards is getting towards the end of her life. She has pretty bad cardiac issues and is currently trying to get them solved for the Canadian health system. And thank God my mother's a nurse and I know healthcare a little bit enough to help her like wayfind and you know figure out where she needs to go. But what has been the most tragic thing as a grandson to witness is just the mental anguish she goes through, kind of not really knowing what's coming next or when the physician's going to call or what, you know, what does it really mean to get stints put in? Or, you know, she had to go to the ER the other day because, you know, she she had chest pain. Turns out she just pulled a muscle and had nothing to do with the cardiac work she did. But there was all this like unknown that was like literally driving her to death because she has terrible anxiety, too. And to me, that's something that's never like taken into account when we think about improving health systems is how do we you know, decrease sort of that mental anguish that many people face as they even think about interacting with the health system. And then you can get even more deep into it, like the financial burdens we put on people and so on and so forth. And so completely hear you there. That's such a good point. I think we're, even in the process of this conversation, we're changing our perspective a little bit just by hearing one another's perspectives. I mean, this is just one of the, the tenets, if you will, of this document as well as the community it's representing. I can almost direct this to like a web 3.0 mentality versus like a web 2.0 where there's hive mind, call it whatever you want, but we can get to a better place by co-creating a solution, which starts with having a conversation that we all recognize. There's not like the one expert in the room and we're all just listening. You know, this is a very multifaceted conversation that everyone has something to bring and that together is changing our perspectives. I think that kind of leads me to this next question, which is kind of what do we do about it, right? What actions do we as a community plan to take to lead to some of those changes? We're talking about some pretty big, substantial challenges, things that a lot of different people have attempted to fix or resolve or implement or or incrementally improve to some degree. We want to add to those and not downplay any of those efforts. But we see this kind of unique opportunity, like there's kind of a, a unique perspective that we have an opportunity to 
help. So what are some of those actions and some of those changes that we hope can come about by the work and the conversations that we're having? One thing that I like to always focus on is like, who are the practitioners that know some of this stuff? And it's the people on this call and others that are part of the community and crew. And what I think is going to be really transformative is to keep having these frank conversations that aren't that aren't like conference style presentations where we you know tell you how amazing things are and we show you a nice cake, but rather conversations that are a lot more tactical where we show the recipe, like how you know in the case that you know maybe Victor has pulled off some amazing you know consumer oriented service line. I want Victor to not just tell me about it, but like what are the steps you took and the tools you used to get there? And I have always found, especially when I go to conferences or other innovation forums, we never get to that level where it's usually just people you know, telling these amazing stories, which are great and we need to be inspired. But what I'm really hoping to see is through this community and hopefully through other areas in the industry that we actually start to get to like the tactical tool and call it project management level to teach each other new tools, new methodologies, you know, new ways of thinking. Like, you know, we're hearing from Jill and Terry uh, to actually get us to where we need to be. Yeah, it's really shifting our focus from, I mean, I think we're traditionally talking about what are we doing? What is it that you, you know, what are you doing? And I think shifting it to the why, which we covered already on this call, like it's really, you know, we understand the why and moving that conversation to the how. So I echo what you say, Zane. I think we have an opportunity. There is a lot of noise out there around consumerism. You ought to do this. If you don't do that, this is doomsday. So there's a lot of noise. So I believe we have an opportunity to be that beacon of hope that we are not, you know, engaging in the hype or as I call it, the horror picture. You know how we all grew up watching whatever your favorite horror picture. And it was scary, but you knew that it was uh, actually a fake. So we have to turn it to where everyone sees that this is an opportunity and not continue down this path to say, you're going to be disrupted. You're going to be disrupted. The world is going to come to an end. So we have to help build that bridge. So one of the things that we can do is that we have to encourage, let's call them the incumbents, that they can no longer be comfortable navel-gazing. Mm-hmm. Is that they see the world from the way they view it from inside out. And we have to shift to make things work, you know, outside in. Going back to your earlier point, we need to have a shared vision that leads to cooperation and co-opetition. This independent, let me solve this problem independently. How can we uh, be that glue that inspires the respective audiences and teams and merging and come together to uh, solve some of the existing challenges Also, how can we help influence people to get proximate to the problems and go into the communities and really understand what is going on in order to bring that back in and design the the best possible experience? And while I'm on experience, how can we be that catalyst for the experience to be one that is based upon empathy, empathetic design, so we can make sure that we truly understand the individual, the consumer, and the human, and make healthcare experiences designed with them in the forefront. I love that. It's We use the word, the healthcare system, and it's really right that we need to redefine what the healthcare system looks like. It's what is that system of care look like from the patient's perspective, from the person's perspective? What does health look like from their perspective? 
And what are all the pieces of that system? And it's not just the healthcare system as we know it and the hospitals and the providers and insurance. It's the CVSs of the world and it's these out of industry, those that are also interacting with the patients. And so how can we bring all of those groups together and create a new system that really works for the patient? And in that system, Terry, too, we really need to think about data and who does the data really belong to and and think about democratizing that as well as, you know, the policy and legislative factors that that sort of tie into all of this conversation that that underlie the way that the infrastructure is built today. I love that you say that. The data privacy, it's the one thing that people shy away from so quickly when I have conversations when we talk about let's link the website to the patient portal. So there's one login and oh HIPAA, HIPAA, right? It, it's a scary unknown thing, but if we just have the conversation, I've seen um, some of the companies that we work with are having really good conversations with our compliance teams to move that conversation mm. forward and put us on the right, right track. And you just gotta start the conversation and then I think it unfolds from there. Hi, this is Carol Fly. A big congrats to Jared and Zane for hitting such a milestone, 200 episodes. I think my episode with you on 10 tips for launching a new podcast was episode 160. And my favorite line from Jared was on the very first tip addressing a question we both get a lot, which is with so many podcasts out there already, is it worth it to start one? Jared's response to this is one I'll keep with me for a long time, which is the world doesn't need any more podcasts. But there are a lot of things we want to be telling the world. And if you have a unique angle on anything that you want to share, then there is a reason to think about doing it in the form of a podcast. Hi, this is Drake Pusey from episode 154. When Jared reached out to have us talk to him on the podcast, it was the first time I'd ever been on a podcast. And I was surprised at how Jared and Zane made it so easy and welcoming for us to just have a great conversation. I think his ability to find people from the outside and invite them into the conversation is a huge help to the industry. What do you hope we're celebrating one year from now? I mean, in the intro to this episode, I issued a challenge that by the 300th episode that we'll make some major progress as an industry, but that was a kind of a macro thing, right? So as specific as you want, what do you hope we're celebrating one year from now? I think in the spirit of breaking down silos, one year from now, I would hope that an episode, a podcast like this would have a representation from both people inside the healthcare industry, like all of us today, but also good representation from those who are outside the healthcare industry, or that the whole definition of healthcare industry has been redefined to the point that there are no silos anymore. Uh, cooperation, uh, you're not going to change a $4 trillion industry that impacts hundreds of millions of people by yourself or independently. The winners in healthcare a year from now will be those that actually work together and solve some of the most pressing issues. I like that. I think for me, super tactically, I'll be excited and they may have already done it. I haven't been following the news, but if CMS keeps the payment structure in line with some of the telehealth, sorry, some of the telehealth reimbursement that they've had through this public health crisis, I hope that stays because I think that'll continue to enable a lot of some of the transitions we've seen in the uptake and use of telehealth, which is obviously a lot more consumer centric. Maybe that's too specific, but that's what I'm, we'll be excited about in a year if we see it happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I think echoing what Victor said, I think that this is like, a it's a long haul, right? Like this is a very large industry. It's going to take some time. So I'm trying to taper my enthusiasm and motivation for a future state with sort of what's the reality of, of like, what can we actually expect to accomplish in a year as maybe as this group, maybe not necessarily looking at it at the whole industry. And so if I'm going to get super granular, you know, just thinking about experience and experience design, shifting the mentality in healthcare toward considering the experience first when they're making new decisions. So maybe for their net new redesigns of certain, you know, certain things that they're working on, that they're leveraging experience design and this whole silos and cooperation piece is like seeing more cross-functional fusion teams, you know, not just within a health system, but externally to health systems and introducing the players that Terry was talking about into those fusion teams as we think about redesigning small components of healthcare and on a attainable, but still I think a reach goal is if this group can really name a future state vision that's starting to be, you know, lending itself into sort of strategy and tactics to be able to accomplish that, like as a cooperative, I think that that would be interesting. So much to think about uh, all of you. Thanks so much for that. I think if I had one, one last thing to share in terms of what, what I hope we're celebrating, it's kind of a combination of a couple of things that you all just mentioned, but I hope there's kind of an unlock among those of us who, who are on the inside of the industry, who are not on the clinical side, but very much support the clinical side, even either directly or, or you know, where we have in the past. But there's this big unlock I see as an opportunity for those of us who have this unique perspective, being on the inside, supporting healthcare every day, and yet also being consumers of healthcare ourselves. It's this unique perspective of not just kind of shouting at the industry to say, change, 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 but be able to say, well, we know that it's not that easy. So let's temper that, but here's some starting points and what can we do? Like, let's have some some better conversations around that. So that's definitely one, one thing I'd throw in there in terms of that unlock. I think there's a potential for those of us who are in consumerism, innovation, technology, human-centered design, experience design, digital teams, business strategy, marketing. There's an endless number of teams that, that I almost think don't get enough credit and focus in terms of the ideas that are that are sitting there every day that you guys like. They were all like, hey, if we could just do this part of the experience differently, that we'd be in a better place. So I'm hoping to see that unlock as part of one of the things that we're celebrating. All of you, Jill, Zane, Terry, Victor, thanks for being a part of this. Hey, Jared. This is Aaron from Hopkins Medicine. Yeah, I remember the first time that we talked about the healthcare wrap and uh, had a conversation about innovating healthcare. What really struck me was just how much fun you brought to that conversation, how much fun you always brought. And clearly there's the whole different angle with, with the music and everything. But you maintain that. You've always brought a really great spirit to your show, to your conversations. And what really impresses me is that even beyond the show, there's a sense of community that you've created from your activities on, on LinkedIn and you know, creating networking groups to talk about these problems and to really create the kinds of changes that your show talks about. I'm impressed, man. And, and all I can say is congratulations on your uh, 200th episode. I'm looking forward to 200 more. 
Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.